Welcome back to Adolescence After Alderaan. I'm Caroline Guthrie. I'm Meg Fariello. We are a podcast dedicating to retracing our adolescent steps through the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Yeah. And taking deep dives. Just follow where it leads us. Yeah. We're just going to go where the, where the river takes us. And this leads <laughs> to Dark Force Rising, the yeah. second book in the Thrawn trilogy which I think is officially known as the Heir to the Empire trilogy, but goodness knows we'll never get that. <laughs> yeah, we'll never, never know. I, I, could, I barely could have told you the title. I just have the book right yeah, here in front like of Yeah, it's like Dark Force Command Shadow. <laughs> like, it's a very <laughs> rising Star Wars title. Rising Dawn of Darkness, yeah. Arrow of Forces Empire. Dark Force. Mix them <laughs> in a bag. <laughs> Pull it out. That's the Star Wars keyword. It doesn't mean anything, right? No. Okay. I mean... Wait, wait. There's a lot of talk of like a dark force in this book. Yes. But like isn't but it there always does not but it does not rise. Isn't no. the dark force like the, the spaceships they're all looking for? They're giant yeah. MacGuffins or whatever. Yeah, those real big MacGuffins. <laughs> but those things don't rise. They're just there. Yeah, so like yeah. it's yeah. this title is one big boondoggle. It's, yeah. <laughs> Leading us to nowheresville. Um as maybe okay. this book is. <laughs> I think there's a chance. So I I have a thought that we need to shake it up a little bit as okay. far as our um, recap style goes, because usually we try to like walk through what happens in this book. But this book, there's a lot of like twisties and turnies and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So I think we should just go character by character. And instead of asking what happens, we need to ask what matters. Okay. I think that is so a th- great way to do it. <laughs> Because I think if we ask what matters, we can cover each. Everybody should get like a sentence or two. Yeah, because and no, that will nothing be matters. <laughs> nothing matters. <laughs> <They're> nihilistic approach <laughs> to, to Star Wars. So okay. great. Let's start. Okay, I think the most happenings is Leia. Leia definitely has the most going on that matters. Yes. Um. So she's yeah. still pregnant. She's yep. trying, so she's still being pursued by Thrawn, and Ka- mm-hmm. on, because he wants to give her to Kablabla. Kablabla's being a real pain. Yeah. About. He just really wants those Jedi twins. Um, and so she's trying to negotiate with the Nagri? Right. The aliens that have been hired by Thrawn, they're sort of like indentured yeah to the empire because vader had like saved them um and so she's she's trying to like make buddies with them basically by saying that like i know you're loyal to the empire first of all they're lying to you and second of all i'm vader's daughter so like i win (laughs) yeah go with me on this yeah and it's obviously dicey but those aren't the things that matter no what matters is she ultimately does prove to the nagri that the empire has been sort of manipulating and deceiving them and ruining their planet and she does win them over Mm -hmm. to her side yes and yeah, so that's she, what matters with Leia. She ends up with everyone else at the end as these books. Yeah, I guess we can do. just sort of do the end yeah. in one um, swoop. Han, nothing matters. 
No. Okay. Lando also nothing. They're like nothing. Bopping around trying to figure out something about Akbar initially, but they seem to just completely drop it. <laughs> yeah, Han and Lando just ping pong ball. Yeah, they run not into ping like, pong, like pinball. They yeah. just kind of pinball around the yeah, galaxy. They run into a senator, a Corellian senator who uh, sort of like uh, branched off from the rebel. He was rebelling against the Empire, but didn't agree with like how Mon Mothma was doing things and. Yeah, I want to table him because I think we could just talk about Mon Mothma later when we're yeah, breaking yeah. this down. Um, but... but that's what Han and Lando are doing, basically. Yeah, so no. Luke. Luke <laughs> goes to the library first, <laughs> which I want to talk a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> Going to the library on Star Wars because that comes up in a lot of different Star Wars books and movies. Yeah. Going it's to a library. Weird. <laughs> um, basically, he goes, he's like looking for Kababa. He goes to Kababa's planet and he's like, I really want to, I need, he literally says, I want to learn some pointers about like teaching people how to be. <laughs> and Kablabla's like, you know, has this idea that Jedi are superior and need to control everyone in the galaxy. And Luke's like, I don't agree with that. And then Mara Jade comes and rescues him. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then he's hooks up with everybody else at the end. Yeah. Uh, Mara Jade. So, what matters that happens to Mara Jade is that she gets captured by Thrawn and she sort of tries to play the I'm the Emperor's hand, right. let's do I'm what important. I say, yeah. I'm important card. And Thrawn tells her right. that there were actually lots of Emperor's hands, that they were not an important, it's not actually not an important position. Right. Your whole you life is a lie. Many, yeah. And also, he double crosses her in order to caption Talon card. So she's super sour on yeah. the Empire, yeah. and she then help. She then goes and gets Luke to get him to help her re- break out yeah, Talon, Talon card, card they which do. they do. Yeah, and Thrawn is on the search for this fleet of ships, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Thrawn wants a fleet of ships. Was. Yeah. That's the Dark Force. That Talon Card knows where it is. And another guy who comes into the story real late in the game and yeah. never actually appears on the page also knows where it is. So then at the end, there everyone sort of convenes trying to snag the ships right. at the same time. Yeah. And ultimately, it seems like Thrawn's gets, gets them. Yeah. Right? And or then, most of them? Yeah. 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 And a lot clones. of stuff with Bothans and clones. Yeah, Bothans and clones. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that old, that old pairing. That old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> Stories about the clones. Um, yeah. So, like, that's pretty much everything that matters that happens in this book, right? Yes, I think yes. Why is this book so long? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was so upset because <laughs> this is maybe going into too much detail. But I, like, I picked up this book, you know, I don't know, five days ago or whatever, thinking, like, oh, there's no way it could be longer than the first one, because the first one, we're, like, setting the scene and whatever, and it is longer. <laughs> it is significantly longer. It is way longer. Yeah, like, almost 100 pages longer. And that seems not right. I agree that it was not right for this book to be longer. <laughs> not right to be longer, and it didn't. There was nothing happening that that made it okay for that book to be longer. No, and I gotta say, I decided mm-hmm. that a problem with this 
book being number two in a trilogy is that there's no development for the characters. Yes. And maybe that's a problem for the Star Wars Expanded Universe in general, general. is that because so much character development happens in the movies, that the characters are just sort of presented fully formed to us in the books. And they're sort of in stasis and they don't really develop there's no like relationships don't evolve like nothing no. changes it's all just like whoop here nobody learns yeah. anything and the i would say the, maybe the only person who does change is mara jade and she doesn't even change it's just like she's presented with like life different circumstances information yeah. but nobody else like she's she's at least at, in some sections of this book coming to terms with like her identity even if it's not like fully fleshed yeah, out. Yeah, she's like somewhat she's somewhat in flux occasionally. Right. But nobody else. Yeah, there's no evolution. We have to, I mean, I know this is gonna sound like a broken record, but we gotta talk about Luke. <laughs> you mean it is it is an insult to Ron Howard to call him Opie, but yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> you mean Opie. He is <laughs> shucksing his way through this. <laughs> Whole book to the point where, <laughs> gee golly, Mister Kablabla! I thought that sounded like the path to the dark side. Yeah, but you're, you're the you Jedi me Master. Kablabla, <laughs> <laughs> you might be right, but you would have had a different perspective. On this. What do you mean, Mister Kablabla? <laughs> yeah, that's him. That's, that's not him. how my pa taught me to do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, he is. He is ridiculous. No, Luke he is, is made ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Luke is a fool again. I mean, we're already here. Maybe we should just like maybe it's not even worth trying to hold back. We just have to okay. get Luke off the table. All right, because I'm gonna as always <laughs> our our special little Jedi angel yeah. like, needs attention first. We got to take care yeah, of him first. I mean, so we his first scene I think in the book is him going to the library <laughs> where they have like microfilm. Or whatever. Like, it is yeah. very... No, it's like going to the library in 1991. Yeah, and, like, you have to, like, search through and ask the librarian where this section is. And, like, it is hard. <laughs> and he looks up, like... Apparently Jedi had, like, bios <laughs> that just, like, existed in the... Yeah, he looks at the, like, Kablabla trading card. Yeah, right. He has a picture on it. Like, yeah, it's like a wizarding frog, you know... Like a chocolate frog, chocolate frog card. card. Like had him on the front and then on the back. It's like his most important like detail. <laughs> blah blah. <sighs> and so he yeah, asks Winter. Yeah, and he yeah, asks Winter about Kablabla, and she's like, "Are you serious? Yeah, like, it's not I my job. Even yeah. a little. I don't know what I, I don't know what my job is because you're all insane. But like, it's <laughs> this is definitely not part of the job. <laughs> I'm not taking. I'm not taking up Jedi research assistant. Yeah, I am not my... a reference librarian. Like. <laughs> I'm a hero of the rebellion. Leave me alone. <laughs> like- <laughs> so ultimately, Luke does find his way to this planet where Kablabla yeah, is waiting for him yeah. and has been calling him. And like, I mean, I guess it should be clear, but Kablabla is like rats gnawingly insane. Yeah. I mean, he is. But Luke doesn't seem to be picking up on that real fast. <laughs> Not at all. It is like this guy is basically frothing at the mouth. Yeah. His he does not have long term memory anymore, it yeah. seems like. 
he has to, it takes concentration on his part to stay in the moment and to make his thoughts connect to yeah. each other. And it is like he, 50 pages in to like their conversation that looks like, wait a minute. <laughs> it doesn't seem stable. Yeah. <laughs> and so this just, I mean, completely insane snakes all through his head guy. Yeah. His plan is to trick Luke into falling to the dark side yeah. which, which like, I gotta hand it I gotta hand it to Kablah yeah. that is the best get Luke to the dark insane, side plan but you know what it could work like, that's how you net a Skywalker yeah you just trick them yeah put, grab a big net and just snatch them up <laughs> like they're really trusting yeah. and yeah, Luke is, like sincerely no, he's just a big old dodo bird like he didn't know to fear them to have like a conversation with this guy he's like bearing his soul and being like you know i have these like niece and nephew coming and we'll side table this for a second but like the birth announcement of those kids is a huge problem <laughs> and yeah really utterly ridiculous but He's like, yeah, I'm, like, not sure how to, like, teach them. Like, I didn't really get, like, a whole lot of training. And Kablabla's like, I'll tell you. And, like, he just goes off on his own, like, yeah, let's take over the galaxy. You know, everyone else are idiots. Jedi are the best. And Luke's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and Luke's just like, well, that's not exactly how I thought of it, but maybe you're right. Yeah, he's <laughs> so insecure. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> yeah, and Kablava, like, takes him through this town that he is ruling with an iron grip. Yeah. And they're just, like, bursting into people's homes and <laughs> judging them and punishing them for stuff. And, you know, two guys are about to fight over, I don't know, a chicken or somebody's yeah. wages or something. And Kablabla tells Luke, like, judge them. And Luke was like, well, I guess I need to hear your side of the story. And then I need to hear your side of the story and then make a decision. And Kablabla says, no, force lightning. (laughs) And like, just force lightning is the crap out of a guy. And Luke is just sort of like, hmm, well, I don't, I don't know that that was very nice, but maybe, maybe that guy learned a valuable lesson. And I mean, does not does not see any i mean after about 50 pages of it he sort of starts to say to r2 like i think this guy might be unstable yeah but he's not saying like r2 fire up the x-wing like this guy is right he's this guy evil. definitely like yeah he's gonna he's gonna try to kill collecting me. jars of his own pee like yeah. this is like, a oh, problem like, he's literally thinking like oh you know maybe Jason and Jaina, like, could benefit from <laughs> tutelage to this guy. Like, yeah, and he's just like, oh, and R2, R2-D2 is saying, I think this is a dark side situation. Yeah. And Luke is saying, like, I don't think it's the dark side. Yeah. I just think maybe he's a little crazy. Right, but like, He's probably been alone for a long time, but oh. maybe he could teach me he is a Jedi Master. And then Mara Jade shows up, and, and it's, it's just like, like Skywalker, get in, get in the like, ship. You big dum dum. <laughs> I I am so humiliated that you took down my boss. Let's right. go. Yeah, like, this is. Oh my! I've had a really tough day, and this is making it worse. Get in the effing ship, like we're leaving. <laughs> and he's and Luke says, "Okay, yeah, because that's just right. what a Skywalker just needs a firm hand, <laughs> and yeah, you just need someone to come in and." Any firm hand, you come in with a confident voice and yeah. good posture, yeah, and, and they will, will just they will just follow you to the ends of the earth. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, he's back to being just pitiful in this uh, yeah, book. I, I mean, sorry he wasn't him. obnoxious. He wasn't bad at what he was doing. He was just like trying really, really hard and was just so yeah. dumb. It's just like I was reading it going, is this our Luke? Like, is this is what Luke has become? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy talk. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. No, this would be like, this is reminding me, and I don't totally know if it's going to hold because I haven't, maybe I haven't even seen the movie. Maybe I'm just culturally aware of it. But it was making me think of that Tom Hanks movie, Big, where it's like a child becomes an adult adult. and is trying to like play it off. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's like trying to play off being an adult. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a child trying to play off being a Jedi. I mean, it's better. I feel better feeling sorry for him than hating him flat out. But, but it is like, and it's not just these books, right? And I mean, I guess this is the start of it, so we can blame the, <laughs> blame the yeah. book. But even in, like, Jedi Academy, in the Young Jedi Knight series, like, we've talked a lot about how Luke seems like he doesn't want to be there, which is a huge problem. But the other big problem is that he seems so inept and, like, self-aware of his ineptness in a way that's very disturbing and sad. That, like, he's yeah. like, I'm not good enough. Like, I didn't have enough training. I don't know what I'm doing. Like... Then why are you doing <laughs> doing this? Like you know, yeah. And I mean, it, and in Return of the Jedi, he was really confident. And this actually brings me to a theory I came to about uh-huh. like two thirds of the way through this book. And my theory, and you know, I know I'm speaking out of turn because I don't know him, and who knows? But my theory is that Timothy Zahn hates Return of the Jedi. Like, okay. That is my theory that Timothy Zahn thinks that everything went wrong at Return of the Jedi. And a lot of this is just pushing back or changing course correction from Return of the Jedi. So you've got in the beginning of Return of the Jedi, Luke's like super together. He's coming in all slick. He's feeling really confident about being a Jedi. He says he's a Jedi. And now Luke is just a wreck. I mean, he thinks he can't handle anything. He's terrible. Um, in Return of the Jedi, we see Mon Mothma as like a respected, good, even-tempered leader. She's got everything under control. And in this book, Mon Mothma is like a bad listener and she's, you know, being easily manipulated by this conniving guy and she's on the wrong side and she drove this really cool guy out of the rebellion. (laughs) And and she's just like, she's a real Tracy flick or whatever. And in Return of the Jedi, we hear about the heroic sacrifice of the Bothans. So many of them died yeah. to get us the Death Star plants. And in this book, it's not just one Bothan is bad. All of Bothan culture goes down under the bus. Bothans are duplicitous. Bothans are manipulative. Bothans are liars. I mean, Bothans are just horrible. That start to finish. Really interesting. Because I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but when I was reading the first book, Air of the Empire, I was like, interested i was gonna say blown away but that's really strong i was curious about (laughs) about how much return of the jedi actually came up in that book because it's like the whole scene of of luke's dream about mara being at the at java's palace right it's basically like a whole scene of like something we've already seen just kind of like manipulated in a different way um there's a lot of talk of like talon card and his his sort of rise after java's fall right that like it's very much situated as like, you know, if, if Return of the Jedi is the call, Air the Empire is the answer, right? Like the, that, right? In a way that it doesn't feel quite the same connection to A New Hope or Empire 
strikes back, yeah. if at all. Like all of Mara Jade's stuff. Like he's right. basically re he's basically rewrite or like retro writing stuff into Jedi that we never saw. Had any and it makes of. oh man, it makes um the Mara Jade's tale sleight of hand in the Tales from Jabba's Pals book makes so much more sense because we were sort of like, what is it? Like it's like all right, like it wasn't really a story, but if you read that in light of these books, it's just like him going in and saying that like she was super important, like she was there, this is what she was doing, right? Right. That that story really doesn't stand on its own without these books. Right, yeah. I mean, it's still that, and I think that's the, an early tendency in the expanded universe, and we see it taken to its extreme in I Jedi, right? That right. tendency to say, well, here's another guy who right. was here. Here's a guy who was there on the side, right? We get those people who want to just pop in from the sidelines. Like, hey, I saw myself in the background. Like, yeah. I was there. I was just off screen. But, I mean, even having Leia meet the Nagri guy at Indoor, right? Yeah, They're right. Yeah. orbiting Indoor. Um, in some ways, just felt to me like a criticism of the Ewoks. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, nope, yeah, you didn't sense. like these cute little teddy bear guys. Here's some badass lizardy guys. Right, we'll like go to their them. planet. Yeah. Their primitive, like, warrior people. It should have been this kind of thing. You know, it just felt yeah. very sort of course correcty of That's Empire. Really interesting. And I think... Of Jedi, I mean. For sure yeah. Doing. I think if it was... If they had taken the sort of Mara Jade learning that, like, she wasn't the only hand to, like, if that had been fleshed out way more as a plot point, I think that would maybe push back a little bit on all of those other sort of points you're making, right? Because it's, it's, you could, I feel like if that was a bigger part of this book, you could read that as him saying that, like, well... You know, Margie, it actually isn't that important of a character, right? And so, like, I introduced this character as someone who was, like, behind the scenes and, like, a hugely important person, but now she's not. A but I have a feeling that, like, she probably is the only hand and Drawn's just, like, messing with her. Right, or she's not the only hand, but she's the most important hand. Right, She's right. the hand that the Emperor loved the most. Right. You know, but, she's the baddest-assest one. How? I'm, I don't know if I'm being confusing. But, like, how interesting would it be if, like, they lay Mara Jade on the table and then take it away and say, like, well, actually, like, she was a character yeah. that didn't mean anything, right? That she was just, like, some, you know, putty who worked for the Emperor, and, like, she's become important now because she's befriended our three mains or whatever. But, like... Because that's the most interesting stories, right? That's why we loved Jabba's Palace, the Tales from Jabba's Palace so much, is because all those characters, like, didn't matter to the larger plot, right? That they're just, right. like, they're doing their own thing because, you know, in an expanded universe, you expect that there are other spaces that are being occupied, Right. That it's not just like three planets and we're just going along and <laughs> we're going to meet up all together at the end because we have to, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this, and I think that you're right, I think it would be so much more interesting if Mara Jade, also just as a character development, because yes. our character would have to develop if Mara Jade had to grapple with the fact right, that, that like, yeah. it wasn't what she what she thought it was. But it seems like even if it wasn't quite what she thought it was, it pretty quickly... Yeah, she seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's fine. Nothing's really, nothing's really changed. And we didn't actually say much about what happens at the end. Um, yeah. But throwing it, let's talk about the Bothans. Let's okay. talk about let's talk the Bothans. I was really upset about 
the treatment of the Bothan people, yeah. the Bothan sentients yeah. in this in this book. Their portrayal as um, just extreme. So there's this. I can't believe I'm going to acknowledge this subplot as a thing, but this book was really insistent on it. So there's this Bothan counselor on the yeah. New Republic Council. Counselor Fela or yeah, something Fela. like that. He, I feel like that name has come up in other books, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like he's I feel like he's gonna he fall hard die. in the next book. Yeah, maybe. But um and he is trying to depose Akbar, get Akbar yeah. arrested, all of this kind of stuff. And he becomes sort of a thorn, sort of a problem in the last act of the book because he's trying to use his influence to discredit yeah. Han, then discredit Talon Card, and he keeps insisting to Mon Mothma that they're full of it. He's delaying the mission to go get these ships. Right. Then w- when they're out there, he tries to have all of our mains arrested. I'm not at all sure for what. Yeah. And, I mean, he's just on and on, and he's got that, like... He's such a stock character, but he's just like that guy who won't listen to reason. Yeah, we've ever. seen it. I feel like we've seen it in the Jedi Academy trilogy. There was a guy that was like that. I feel like in Young Jedi Knights in the later books, there was some senator or someone who's that's very yeah. Similar. There's just always this sort of like preening, self-important kind of figure. But and like the thing is, this guy irritates me. But he doesn't irritate me for the reason he's supposed to. Right. He doesn't irritate me because I'm just like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, a threat right, to our right, characters. Right. Why won't he listen? It's just because he doesn't seem at all developed. He doesn't yeah. seem at all, like, well, rounded. That, the whole, like, that whole plot, subplot, isn't developed. Because it, like, comes in at the very last minute and aired the Empire that, like, right. Akbar's I don't know, deposed or whatever. And then... It, like, gets picked up in the beginning of this book, and then they really don't talk about it again until the very end. No, they begin and end. This book is bookended with yeah. this and Bothan Akbar. isn't in this book at all. Yeah, they, like, go visit him. Yeah. Once. Once, maybe. Yeah, he's just, like, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> no, but it's just so... It's so annoying. And Mon Mothma is also yeah. sort of thrown under the bus here. So I marked both of this. I, I marked this spot where they talk about Mon Mothma because I was really bothered by it. So Han and Lando, for reasons that don't especially matter, end up on this one planet and then they get picked up. There's just ping. Just yeah, they're just getting thrown on the planet and picked up every other. And they end up with this guy who was a Corellian new a Corellian old republic senator named bell ipsis or something bell, like that bell ipsis yeah he he definitely comes up I, that name was so familiar to me um but he was basically like a guy who um was also rebelling against the empire he's Corellian, but he had very different ideas about like how to go about rebelling than like the mon mothma faction so he even though he's sort of on the, like the right side, he and Mon Mothma have butted heads in the past. Um, yeah, so and Han when was they like, "You should about... come back and like join us," and he's like, "But I don't get along with Mon Mothma or whatever." Yeah, yeah. So when they're talking about the history, they give sort of a, a history of the leadership of the rebellion, and it puts Mon Mothma in a terrible light. Yeah. So it says. Um, 
Mon Mothma began to take over. Senator Bell Iblis was far better at strategy and tactics than she was, better even than many of the rebellion's generals and admirals. But she had the gift of inspiration, the knack of getting diverse groups and species to work together. Gradually, she became the most visible symbol of the rebellion, with Organa and the senator increasingly relegated to the background. It wasn't just pride that drove him to withdraw his support. Bail Organa had been a strong moderating influence on Mon Mothma. He was one of the few people whom she respected and trusted enough trusted enough to pay serious attention to. After he was killed in the Death Star's attack on Alderaan, there was really no one of equal status who could stand up to her. She began to take more and more power to herself, and the senator began to suspect that she was going to overthrow the emperor only to set herself up in his place. Um, so Mon Mothma is just, she's presented as this sort of hollow figurehead, that she wasn't good at tactics, that she wasn't yeah. good at strategy, but that she was essentially performative. Mon Mothma is reshaped as the Ava Peron, the yeah. Evita. <laughs> yeah, and like, I was getting so mad because in the original trilogy, like, we don't have a lot. Like, we have Leia and she's unbelievable, she's amazing. But the only other, like, female figure in the only all of woman in the galaxy is Mon Mothma. And you are taking her down? Like, yeah. I'm sorry. This is, I, there was a one point in this book where, like, I know this doesn't make any sense, and I maybe just was in, like, a fugue state. But, like, <laughs> like, I was like, when, like, when does Lord Dern show up? <laughs> like, I just need, <laughs> like, I know, and it wasn't even, like, Admiral Haldo. Like, I was just like, I just need, like, a Lord Dern character. <laughs> come into this book and just like make it right because yeah, but this is just a problem that's going to reverberate through the rest of the expanded yes, universe like, is that we get right out of the gate is like what do we need to do is we need we need to take the the two women we have from the right. movies and diminish them as right. much as we as possibly we can, can. Yeah. We just, I mean, Mon Mothma is just borderline dragged through the dirt. And at the end, when the Bothan guy betrays them, he does it with her blessing, right? She's on his side. Side, She's not supporting our mains. She doesn't want Leia to have maternity leave or Jedi training. I mean, she's She's okay with sending out that newsletter about the twins being born, which seems crazy. (laughs) Attention, entire galaxy. Yeah, Leia, how have you found out? Like, blah blah knows and like we know everyone knows everyone knows but luke at one point is like huh that newsletter like he doesn't have any like technology down here like how did he know about that that newsletter must have gotten far and wide and like, what are <laughs> yeah, we supposed to do right like <laughs> why was there a newsletter you should have done a newsletter <laughs> oh but yeah, yeah I actually, really in my notes, wrote, like, boo, boo, like the old woman in The Princess Bride, yeah, because boo. I was so upset about Mon Mothma getting attacked. Yeah, like, you can't... And that does reverberate, because I, I remember, I guess, maybe in the Jedi Academy trilogy, like, being confused at why Mon Mothma sort of comes off as a little bit of a bee. And yeah. it's because of this book. <laughs> yeah, this is the... This, this frame that was set was... Yeah. It does feel that, like, let's take down that woman in power. Like, she can't. Well, and then also with Leia. So this book also starts the pairing up of Leia and 3PO, which I don't get and which I object to strenuously. (laughs) I was thinking about it today 
And I am pretty confident that out of Han, Luke, and Leia, Leia talks to 3PO the least in in the movies. movies. And, like, technically, he belongs to Luke. He was he's Luke's droid. He's R2's counterpart. They should be together. Yeah, they should but I'm, be together. I'm thinking <laughs> Yeah, I mean I'm thinking about it. She I don't think speaks to him at all in A New Hope, which makes sense. She's busy right. and they don't meet until pretty late on. In Empire, 3PO is there with Han and Leia in the Millennium Falcon, but I think only Han talks, talks to 3PO. To, yeah, yeah. There except Leia at one time screams shut up at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that she might be it. She's annoyed when he's lost on Cloud City. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And then in Return of the Jedi, she gets separated from them early on. She's not in the group that he's in. Like, 3PO gets his sort of comedy bits by aggravating Han. And yeah. He gets Luke some opportunities for character development. But he is not Leia's best friend. No. And in this book, at one point, Han actually says, like, man... I didn't really hang out much with 3PO on that flight. I know it's going to make Leia mad because she cares so much about 3PO. He is yeah. like a toaster to her. Like, what is this? No, I mean, and that really is something that gets set up like throughout all of these books that 3PO is, I mean, he raises those children, basically. Yeah. Like, he is there. <laughs> Him winter in the nanny droid of death. Like, that was the <laughs> Objects, maybe. Those yeah. are their figures. Those are the, the Mr. Yeah. Threep. And Mr. Threep, arms drop off, nanny droid that still terrifies me when I think about it. And, <laughs> and Winter, who seems like, you know, a good person, but maybe not the warmest. No, I think she's got a real uh, less friendly Mary Poppins. Yeah, because even when Luke's like, I need help at the library, Miss Winter, she's just like, I don't have time for this BS. <laughs> <laughs> no, winter is like if underneath Mary Poppins' icy veneer there was more right. ice. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. She's good at her job. She does she does it well, but she's mm-hmm. not going to give you a hug. No. 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 Nanny droid will no. give you a hug. Nanny droid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Through the, the soft flesh that covers yeah. the machine guns, the nanny droid will love you. <laughs> oh, that's so gross and weird. <laughs> <laughs> the nanny droid. I mean, I feel like that's not the last time we've seen the nanny droid. I mean, uh, probably not. But God, maybe we should talk about Leia as pregnant lady because <sighs> there were some things that were brought up and said in this book that made me really upset. <laughs> I definitely had some moments where I was like, oh, yeah, man wrote this. Yeah. Like someone well, like, who has definitely <laughs> never experienced pregnancy. Well, that wrote and then. This. So we didn't talk about this all because this is, a, I mean, it, it, part of the plot, but it's not hugely significant in terms of getting this plot out. But the Navi's planet, the reason they're so devoted to Vader was basically there was some kind of like nuclear fallout attack on their planet and everything died except for like a very few select animals and plants. So they've been struggling and Vader sort of stepped in and like, for whatever reason, helped them out. It's basically like, you know... This planet was destroyed by, like, a nuclear bomb raining, like, acid on this planet. Right. And at one point, Leia's like, huh, I shouldn't really be here while I'm pregnant, should I? <laughs> like, Leia, no! <laughs> what is she's happening? Like, she's like, the scanners say it's fine. Yeah. 
the, nu- the nuclear winter here is probably I over. I think if you went to even a terrible New Republic doctor that may not exist because we have not heard from them at all, <laughs> and asked, like, is it okay if I go to this planet? They're going to say no. 100%. Yeah, don't do this. No. <laughs> Absolutely don't do this. I mean, also, at this point, Leia should be getting really regular amount. This is an ongoing thing, as far yeah. as I can tell, just in Star Wars that continues into the prequels that I, <laughs> as far as I can tell, prenatal care is someone tells you that they're pregnant, that you're pregnant right. and then later delivers your baby. Maybe, yeah. And that is that just is it. it. Right. There's nothing in between. <laughs> no one is, te- no one is checking her blood pressure. No. no one is, you know, measuring the fundal height. No one is, nope. no one is doing anything. And I, I have no problem if what they have is better than what we have. Right, what they have more. should be better than what we have, but they should have something. something. Yeah, just something. Something. It's like Even if they're like, we've got a pregnancy monitoring microchip in you, so right. like, we know it's all going fine because it would have beeped if there was an issue. Just tell me anything. Yeah. Is anybody checking on this? Also, she is carrying twins. She is automatically experiencing a high-risk pregnancy. Yeah. And she's just doing whatever. I it, The book treats it so weirdly because you, like, once in a while the twins get, like, mentioned. And at the end, Han goes, like, which also seems terrible. Like, Leia, you're so much bigger than you were the last time. <laughs> so, like, that is a terrible thing to say. But, like, other than that, the pregnancy doesn't really come up at all. No. No. And she's at a stage where... Even if, you know, she's got a lot on her mind and, you know, (laughs) you're still pregnant and pregnant with twins. Like as someone who has been pregnant twice, even when you're doing other stuff, you tend to be pretty aware of being pregnant, especially if you're in a post-nuclear society, (laughs) agrarian society. Yeah. And you're like, you know, in danger at every moment and you're just sort of like, whatever. Yeah. It'll be fine. Hopefully. Yeah, like, I mean, nobody, and also, even if Leia was like sort of one track mind, you know, really concerned about what she was doing, somebody else, anybody else, Luke, Han, Winter, somebody say, hey, Leia, this is not a good idea. Well, they also, in the first book, they say some, Han said something like, you notice they weren't using any, uh, tasers or stun guns or whatever on us it's because those can cause miscarriages so i know they want to capture the babies it's like okay yeah that can probably cause miscarriages but i bet space flight isn't yeah. great for <laughs> for this probably not for this either at one point she's pinned down under this like earth shattering blaster fire from a star destroyer yeah. that's like bringing on her eardrums and stuff like that the the concussive booms of the yeah, sound barrier being broken probably isn't good for any like yeah, none of this no, is good for those. <laughs> none of this is good for those. This is why Jason turns out the way that he does. <laughs> yeah, which is like, and I, I think I mentioned our. Also, that. she's hiding in the. Yeah. She's hiding in like the town kiln, eating like yeah, a protein bar a day. Like yeah, because they don't want them to get recognized through like heat sensors. So they're like, "What's the hottest place you got?" And they're like, "This oven." And she's like, "Okay, <laughs> like, go in the oven." Like, it's you know, like overheating is a real risk. I don't it think she's getting enough water. So much of because the last "How Did This Get Made?" episode was "Never Too Young to Die," and in "Never Too Young to Die," they put 
uh, Vanity's character in like a heat, an incinerator. <laughs> like she's fine and nothing happens to her. And I was like, I think this is the incinerator from Never Too Young to Die. <laughs> like an oven that has no effect. It's just really hot. Right, it has nothing. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> she's a little bit hot and she'll be, she'll be fine. But I feel like this is another thing that sort of continues throughout the expanded universe and is kind of frustrating, which is that like the physical limitations of being a person in extraordinary circumstances yeah. are really glossed over, are not addressed or taken seriously. Yeah, because I you think, know, like, and I think it would have been so interesting to have a book or a series that, fo- you know, maybe other things were happening too that were, you know, tied into a larger story. But like Leia and Han dealing with the fact that she's pregnant with twins and, you know, all of this stuff is happening and she has to come to terms with the fact that, like, she can't participate in the way she wants to, or if she does participate in the way she wants to, it's, you know, a huge risk. And, like, to sit, again, to, like, sit down in those decisions and, you know, there's no inner... I think other than Mara Jade a little bit, and, like, I guess we haven't even talked about Thrawn, but, like, who cares? Like, uh, like there's (laughs) no... There's so little inner, like you said at the beginning, there's no development and there's no sort of inner world to these characters. It's like everything is happening to them and they're just like taking it. <laughs> no, this is like somebody, this is just like reading if someone pl- like playing Star Wars Risk. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, feel like it's Thrawn's like turn. Yeah. He's moving his, he's moving his spaceships over here. Oh, it's Leia's turn. Right. She's, She's going to go over here. Way. Yeah. It's like a big, like, yeah, like a big chessboard and you're just sort of like. You know, got to get everybody into one space at the same time. So, like, how do we do that? You know. Yeah, but it's just... And also the structure... And it repeats so many times. It is over and over and over again in this book. That what will happen is, like, one of our characters decides to do something. They're almost done doing that thing. When some small, inconspicuous part of it, most people wouldn't even notice right. part of it, will be reported to Thrawn. Because apparently Thrawn is just nonstop getting updates about yeah. every detail of every moment, everywhere that he has any influence. So he's someone will like say... Te- he's on a text chain. <laughs> people just... Like, <laughs> he's in the group chat. He's in the group so chat. He's, yeah. <laughs> so he's just like, all right, what's going on there? And they're like, um, everything's fine. I mean, this one guy was like two minutes late. But yeah. with the password, but it's fine. And Thrawn's like, whoa, two minutes late with the password, you say. Well, that given means- <laughs> <laughs> that means exactly what's happening. I know all of it now because doop, 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 yeah. doop, oh. I'm a big blue cheater. And <laughs> so then he will, so then he'll get, he'll mm-hmm. use his magic to, um, to do that. So then he'll change things right. so that it messes them up. Our guys will be almost caught, and then they'll barely escape. And then Thrawn will say, hmm, they barely escaped. Well, next time they shall not, <laughs> shall they? Tut, tut. <laughs> and I think that happened eight, 15 times. Yeah, I don't know. Like it was every other chapter. It was nonstop. Yeah. Should we talk about Thrawn? I guess. I don't like him. (laughs) I don't like him. And I don't like him because he's a good villain. I don't like him because he's boring. And he's got like two things. Yeah. He's got talking about art. Mm -hmm. And he's got speaking in a dry voice 
often with an arched eyebrow. Yeah, so like, that one guy, Pelinor, he's not that called Pelinor. Poor, <laughs> poor Captain Pelinor. Well, just like, has to, who seems like, it, I often felt like Pelinor felt like, like, Thrawn would start talking and he'd be like, you know, I'm not as smart as this guy, I know, but like, I also do not care. Like, fine, <laughs> no, just, whatever. Doing I mean, like, Thrawn. page two of this book, and Thrawn is so thirsty for attention about yeah. this. Like, just, that's his why he whole, this guy, just to listen to you know, him talk everything, about it. Thrawn is just nonstop trying to do, like, mental thirst traps on, to set up to get attention, because he, so, like, very first part of this book they're doing something who cares and captain palinor thinks it's like a little weird but he's just sort of like you know what whatever this yeah. isn't how we'd usually do it but thrawn knows what he's doing so he's just kind of standing around waiting for things to get going and he like tilts his head a teeny millimeter to just like take a peek at thrawn be like how's the boss doing all right everything mm-hmm. seems fine and that tiny motion gets Thrawn's attention because apparently Thrawn was just been like desperately staring yeah, at Palinor. Is he looking at me now? Is he like he's got like one of those mirrors that like you put over your shoulder? <laughs> like, please pay attention to me. I need to talk Notice to you about what I'm me. thinking about. <laughs> so all so he barely moves his head and Thrawn's like, Do you have any questions? And Captain Palinor's like, No, no questions. I'm good. Looking. Then's like, Maybe you're wondering why we haven't attacked yet? And uh Captain Palinor's like um, I mean, I guess, I guess. it's a little, I, I guess I'm kind of, it's fine. And Thrawn's like, well, I'll tell you. Yeah. And then he goes on. He and so that is just thirsty. him nonstop. Be like, please, I want to tell you about it. He's like a seven-year-old who thinks he knows a joke. Yeah, right. But like, he, really he just, you. Yeah. he can't wait to tell you. And then like, you're 10 minutes into this joke yeah, and you're like, like, this isn't how like, jokes yeah. work. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna, yeah, that guy is insane. Like he just. It's there. It's like, okay, okay, sure. Yeah, Captain Palinor sure. is just like, wow, you're so smart, boss. Yeah, like, like, I don't uh-huh, know what uh-huh. you're saying, but I guess you're right, because you'll no, kill me. Thrawn, <laughs> Thrawn is like that Eddie Izzard bit about the Empire yeah. being just like all upper class British guys yeah. in a really boring movie. Like, that, that's like, if if that actually was it. Like, right. that's all he is. Yeah. He's so boring. He's, He's just like, boring. what is it? Hello, Captain. I'm here looking at art. Yeah. Would you like to look at more art with me? <laughs> we we are scheduled to attack the rebellion. Yeah. But here we have art. He needs to He needs to put like a suggestion box <laughs> in so people could ask him questions and he would have things to like answer because he just wants to hear the sound of his own voice and explain things. Yeah, like, he could have just become, I mean, they don't seem to have a lot of education in yeah. this world, but I feel like he could have just been a professor, <laughs> like a terrible professor. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that An, a terrible art history professor, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that's what he wants, I think. That would have been a better job for him. Also, they're acting like he's a big deal, but in this book, he's racking up a lot of failures because he's kind of written into a corner, I think. On the one hand, he has to be so smart and observant and deductive that he notices everything our main characters are doing. But on the other hand, he can't actually capture or kill our main characters. So he's constantly just barely failing. Yeah. But that adds up to a lot of failing. That's a big failure. 
big blue failure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just blue not, failure. You know, there, I, I mean, and there are different ways to write villains, and you know, there are successful. You can be successful at having a villain that you introduce very early on, but I think it's to the detriment of these books that like we spend so much time with Ron because if like we didn't know how he was like figuring all this stuff out and we didn't like spend pages and pages and pages with him like explaining to Pelinor like what's going on maybe you could build a little more suspense or like yeah he doesn't have any kind of a mystique no he's just like right on the page and like you said like he's so insecure and just like needs to talk about everything that it doesn't come off as scary or villainous like just sort of like okay yeah, and that's yourself. the thing, like, and, and Pelinor's always so impressed with Thrawn's self-control. He's like, oh, I thought he was going to fly off the handle there, yeah. but he didn't. He's so different from Vader, and he does this and that. And I guess it's supposed to be intimidating, like, oh, he doesn't make those mistakes. But it's just boring, because he doesn't do yeah, anything. it's like he's just dead inside. Like, it's not anything. <laughs> like, he's not controlling Vader would anything. get mad and Vader force choke mad. Admiral Ozzel, and then we would get some action on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Vader had a huge temper, and the Emperor did too. The Emperor was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he threw people over bridges. For making him mad. <laughs> like, that guy, that guy had jokes. That guy was, was sassy. Yeah. He was, he was a real Don Rickles kind of leader. Yeah, like, he would make those, like, hissing noises. Like, he had his shtick down, like. He, he would hiss and he would croak and. He yeah. Would... Yeah, there's something to be said. Like, Thrawn just isn't threatening and he isn't scary. And I guess we're supposed, like, we talked about in the first episode, or first episode. And heir of the Empire, that, you know, he's this sort of, like, Moriarty, like, Sherlock Holmesian kind of villain. But, I don't know, he but just, Moriarty have... works because you never even see yeah, him on the right. page. And that's what made him intimidating. And, like, we know Sherlock is so smart and so observant that, like, if this other guy is, like, doing this stuff, what is that guy? I mean, you know, there's no counter to Thrawn. I think maybe that's also the problem is that... In, I mean, our our heroes, our three mains, and everyone else is sort of, like, against him. But he's not anyone's, like, main nemesis. Like, no, he's just, like, there's a not any feeling threat. of... Yeah, there's not any feeling of, of, like, direct engagement. And Moriarty, like, this is speaking to me, my Sherlock Holmes nerdiness. Yeah. But Moriarty, in the one Sherlock Holmes story that he's actually a part of, the, the final problem... Right. That story is action-packed. Right. He's doing stuff nonstop. nonstop. They're like, yeah. oh, we can't sleep at Baker Street tonight. They firebombed our apartment. They're on the train. They're, I mean, like, right, yeah. they are stop. moving and shaking. Yeah. Up in his grill. And you know, and like, this that guy. Book, that story is not as long as this book. No, heck no. <laughs> By a lot. <laughs> they kept it tight. Yeah, because that's what you need. Just like in and out. Like, I don't need the. Yeah. Unless you're doing character development, which it's not happening. Then, like, I no, don't there's understand. no character development. You know, I Jedi These was, books like, are only events. Six hundred pages, which was too long, but at least like yeah, we had a character and an arc, and you know yeah, he learned things, he changed, he grew. Yeah. He was pretty sluggish about it. Yeah, but he took know, a lot. He of, did it. He dilly dallied. <laughs> he really took. A but he did, time, but he did it. Yeah, this I don't. We haven't learned anything new about our characters. Nothing interesting. No, and even um. Like, Talon Card, who I should love, it yeah. just seems like he's just, like, dead inside. I mean, <laughs> he's so tired. <laughs> he's a, These guys yeah. all 
just seem like yeah han and like, lando who i should also love as a team up like i found those parts so boring no they were so dry and they just seemed really tired and disengaged and they're just they all seemed like actors just plodding through yeah. you know like the it's like they just got the closing notice. Yeah. You know, it's right. like it's, it's not over, closing night. Yeah. They don't have that goodbye energy, but they just like the closing notice has been posted yeah. on the theater door. Right, like, like, oh, that. we got to go on tonight. And now we is yeah. like, I mean, no one's there's just there's not a sparkle in anyone's eye. Yeah. Yeah. It really is just. There's like there's no humor. There's no fun. There's no zaniness. Yeah. Also, you can't palm a spaceship. Yeah. I was dying. <laughs> I was dying that they kept saying that. Like, palm is not just, is not slang for steel. Yeah. It's to, like, hide palm something it. in your hand. <laughs> oh. They kept talking about how that one guy was palming spaceships, and I was like, well, that sounds impressive. Yeah, Let's but go also watch. Impossible. That's <laughs> not a weird, thing. Like, weird, like, earth slang for things because I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast but it got me really angry is when Luke's talking to Kablaba about like Kablaba's like I'm, I'll teach those twins like don't you worry about it Luke goes yes master Luke said picking his words carefully I appreciate the offer but as you said you have your own work to do and all I really need are some pointers pointers? <laughs> pointers? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> first of all you're talking about like teaching the future Jedi generation pointers is maybe a little bit too like <laughs> Casual. A little loosey goosey. <laughs> it's not like you're like going in to take like a quiz and you're like, I want some pointers. I'm like, how to pass the quiz. <laughs> pointers? Like, Luke. <laughs> and it's the same with like palming yeah. it. Like, you palmed Palm it. it. Yeah, like, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not just, that's like the 1940s. Yeah. I think in the Maltese Falcon, Humphrey Bogart accuses somebody of palming, palming. some money. Yeah, right. Like, you palmed it. Like, right. but this is not that. <laughs> you don't palm spaceships. <laughs> also, there are moments in this book where people are bizarrely and terrifyingly obsessed with other people, and it goes totally uncommented yeah. on. Yeah. And it should not be uncommented <laughs> on. So, like, the guy who palms spaceships, yeah. who is, uh, doesn't matter. Yeah. But when he first shows up, the way we get that guy in the book is that Luke goes over to Lando and is like, oh, hey, Lando, how's it going? And Lando says, oh, my gosh, I smell the cigarette smoke on you of this guy yeah. who I know. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Based on the fact that not that the guy is in the room with them right, smoking these cigarettes, but that Luke, Luke walk past him. Yeah. As he this is third hand smoke. Yeah. Lander recognizes <laughs> the third hand smoke of this guy's it's cigarettes. Like everyone's a talent card. Like observant behavior, like like that's like, that's insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's and insane. It Even sense. if these are the most distinctive cigarettes yeah. ever. Which, like, how distinctive could they be? But that he recognizes their third-hand smoke, that's bananas. Yeah. Also bananas, <laughs> when Han is talking to that Corellian senator guy, the Corellian senator guy is like, I remember you, you're Han Solo. And Han's like, oh, how do oh we know God, each other? That's right. 
And this guy says, when you were 11 years old, I gave a talk at your elementary school and you asked a couple of good questions and I've kept a close eye on you ever since. And Hans just, (laughs) and Hans just flattered by the attention. He says something like, oh, I guess you were disappointed when I got kicked out of the Imperial Academy. And the guy says, yeah, kind of, but it ended up working out. So it's fine. Just like, what? Han was in school. Like, what is happening? Like, I mean, I guess though, you know, this is a very early book, and but it doesn't, it just doesn't track at all. (laughs) No, this doesn't track. That doesn't crack with the AC Crispin. I mean, like, just barely it does because they did say that they would have him sort of like running various scams on Corella, Corellia that would have him. But then, how would the senator guy be able to track him? Like, yeah, it's yeah, no, it's. Insane, but I mean, even if it was on the up and up, even if Han, right, you know, ha- didn't have the life that he had, can you imagine? Like, think back to being eleven yeah. that you went to a school assembly, asked a question, right. and, and that the person now in your thirties, <laughs> you run into that person, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you're Meg Ferriello. I remember you. <laughs> I've been watching you your whole life." I, I would be like, "This is terrifying." <laughs> Since you were 11 and asked me a question at teacher at career day about being a firefighter. (laughs) I wonder, like, because he's a senator, like, he's busy, I would think. Like, does he keep track of all? Not too busy to stalk school children. Asking questions at at talks? Yeah. Yeah, like, that's insane. It's insane. Yeah, there's a lot of, like... Considering we don't learn really anything about these characters, it's insane what they remember about each other. Yeah. Also, no, like, like that with the Lando thing and this thing with Han School, like, it's just this, like, oh, moment. It's not, like, it doesn't move the plot forward. It doesn't do anything other than be, like, like making these sort of tenuous connections between characters that, like, doesn't matter. Like, this was a Corellian senator. Like, Han probably knew who he was done yeah but it's like it's just this constant work to make the universe smaller Smaller, like we have to we have to constantly just like claustrophobically close these people on each other yeah so there's tons of connections i mean like there's a hundred united states senators i know who a good number of them are like they don't need to know me back for there to be some sort of dramatic tension right if you know, Elizabeth Warren and I find ourselves fighting against evil somewhere. She doesn't have to have been stalking me for it to right, matter right. to me that we're yeah. together. You yeah. know, like and again, I think you're right about this idea of like it makes it small, even though you know, seemingly what this book and these books are trying to do is make the world bigger, right? It's just like closing in the walls of these characters, and you know. It'd be great if a character showed up who had no relationship to anybody and just, like, yeah. existed and was like, you guys seem like a lot of fun, which they don't, but no, one God, could no. hope. And, like, just- and they're so miserable. And even Han, I'm not to interrupt, but at the end, even Han is just like, I hate that we're doing this. Yeah. Like, I hate that I haven't seen Leia in a month. Yeah. This is right. driving yeah, me crazy. Like Nobody even starts off happy. Like, it's no. just, it's just, yeah, I, I would love to, and I think that's what was, in, you know, there were a lot of things that were refreshing about the Crystal Star, but one is that, like, even though they were going through this terrible, horrible, tragic situation, like, other than that, they seemed like a pretty happy family that was doing okay, like, outside of that, 
Probably. Yeah, I could see. I I could see what they were fighting for. Yes, but yeah. here I like. I don't know what they're fighting for. Yeah, it's like, why do any of you care? Like, what is this? Yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? We're just waiting for Kablah blah. Yeah, we know that it's, he's got to come back in a big way. <laughs> Kablah blah is gonna come roaring in. Yeah, there's also that one General Kavl thinks Thrawn's obsession with those lizards is stupid. Yeah, like Which even point, like that know, was in his yeah. head. He was like, oh, Thrawn's up there with his stupid lizards. Yeah, you like know, you're right, right. he They're is stupid. <laughs> stupid <laughs> lizards. Like, that's actually, I think, also not a great addition to the Expanded Universe. No. Like, why do we have lizards that turn off the Force? That seems... I'm, I'm against it. For plot, because you need a way to get out of a You situation. need a way to... Yeah, right. So, we have lizards. Yeah. But... Magic lizards. Sit on your back and block the Force. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not sure they're lizards. I've just been calling no, them lizards, lizards this whole time. For some reason, I... And this is from the first book, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I imagine them as, like, backpacks... <laughs> yeah, that's all right but they like sit on your back and then they block the board <laughs> okay no we're kind of right like I, I was thinking i was thinking maybe they weren't lizards because at one point they could describe them as being furry and i was like oh if they're furry maybe they're not lizards but they're furry and they are and, and also lizards. lizards yeah and it seems like judging by the fan art here that people People are wearing them on their backs, exactly. or at least Thrawn is. I don't remember them as like furry, like salamanders. I think you're right. I think they're like furry salamanders. <laughs> they like play up on your back like a backpack, and then just like block the forest because that's the easiest way to get out. Of the yeah, that's a way to handle this. Because that's what like Mara Jade does. She like to face Kablabla. She's just like, I'll grab one of these lizards, and then he can't do anything. Yeah, it's just like an easy way out. Yeah. I'm really hoping that I'm really hoping Thrawn just goes and visits yeah. the Met and we get a book of Kablah blah. Yeah. Like that's what he could have done. He could have been a museum docent. Yeah. That would have been a good job great. for him. Yeah. He could just walk around. And that was another thing about Thrawn that was like making me so angry in this book is Thrawn they would be like, Oh, how do you know that that's how it's gonna happen? And Thrawn's like, I've studied their art. Yeah. And that's how and he does it once with Talon Card, and I was annoyed, but I was willing to let it slide. Yeah, We're like, how do you know Talon Card's going to do that? And Thrawn's like, I've seen the kind of art the man collects. Obviously, he's going to do this and this and this. And it's just like, that's not exactly how taste and art right, works, yeah. but I will <laughs> let, let it, it slide. slide. But later, they're like, how do you know that this one specific Bothan on the council will act this way? And Thrawn says, I've studied Bothan art. I know how they act. Like, You're racist? Yeah, All yeah. Bothans from Bothan art? You like... Can- a jerk. That makes no sense. You could study Earth art. Yeah. It wouldn't tell yeah, you anything maybe. about what I'm going to eat for lunch on yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> yes, it will, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. All of Earth art. I've studied Earth art, and the secret is... <laughs> You're going to have peanut butter and jelly. Done. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> you could tell. Was it, was, it, was, it the, was it impressionism or was it like the Rococo stuff that gave it away? I mean, it's a combination like, of all of it because yeah. Thrawn studied it all really hard. Yeah, when you bring in the African tribal mass and then you can pair it yeah. to like 19th century pan-European watercolors, then, you know, like yeah. it all comes together. Right. And then, you know, yeah. Then, you know, Caroline's going to eat yeah. a peanut butter jelly sandwich on Tuesday. <laughs> Oh, he's the worst. I'm so annoyed with him. I know. And we don't want to hate him. I I thought he was going to be cool. 
everyone acts like he's cool. Maybe maybe we're misreading the like obsession with him. But I cannot. Like, why would you bring him back if he's this useless? Like, I don't understand. He's, he's like not cool at all. The other thing that's annoying about this is like, I would love love to have a standalone or even a series of Star Wars novels that was like a mystery and like trying to solve some kind of weird thing that's happening in the galaxy. Yeah! Like, and just focused on that, right? And it doesn't have to be a, you know, Hanalei, like, don't even have to be in it. It could just be its own thing. Like, no, let's just do some, let's, Ag- let's Agatha Christie this baby. Yeah, like, let's... I would love a Star Wars Agatha Christie crossover. Like, that would be great. It doesn't have to be Murder on the Orient Express. No. I'll take, uh, I'll take the mousetrap. Yeah. I'll Any... take, and then there were none. Just like, uh... let's, let's combine, let's, you know, get genre. a Star Wars Miss Marple yeah, going on. Yeah, crossover, or, you know, again, like a Star Wars horror novel, or a Star, you know, like, cause this, I don't even know what this genre is, like, I mean, I think I it's military, I think it's military, I think it's military sci-fi. Which is, I think, why we don't like it. <laughs> I think that, I think, I'm willing to issue the ruling that military sci-fi is the most boring genre oh. to me. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. I'm sure it electrifies pe- some people, and I don't think those people are wrong. I think I'm the one missing out. I wish that I had a nice time reading I know, this. I wish I had fun reading this, but it just... It was making me so mad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really frustrating. I just feel like this book hates most of the things that I love about Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I feel like it hates the women, and it hates... <laughs> character development. <laughs> it hates the women. It hates the goofiness. Yeah. It hates, like, the fur- the cute parts. It hates yeah. everything that's not, like, impressive space battles and yeah. strategy. It hates, it hates when our characters are together and like each other and spend time together. It hates that so much. Even like Han and Lando or like Lando's like really grumpy the whole way yeah. through. Yeah, John Blaine. Yeah, this is not this. a fun book. <laughs> Why did you bring me into this book? Me to not like even blob one. races. Like I don't want to be. <laughs> Get this man to a blob race. Yeah. Get me to a blob race. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's another T-shirt, right? Like, get me to get me to the blob race. Yeah, nice day out, in the blob race. We need to have that. We need to have get me to the blob races when we do the wreck and run. We're doing yeah. a mud run in a while, so we need to the blob race. That would be a really good rugged run, too, for sure. Yeah, that would be awesome. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I'll hold out our final verdict for. We're coming back. We're going to do that. I mean, we have to. Yeah. We can't not. What are we, quitters? Yeah, we no. quit on nothing except the Young Jedi Knights, and that's not actually quitting. No, we we'll come quit. back eventually. We a break. We're eventually going to finish those, and maybe we'll, we'll have a better time. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't We don't quit. We're going to keep going. Nah, we're coming back. So next is some more tales from Moss Eisley. Yeah, Kingina. and I was going to look... Because we really messed up. Well, not really messed we up. Did. But we, we, we really... We we adjusted. We did not think about how long these... <laughs> were. Um, so we're going to read from The Sand Tender, The Hammerhead's Tale, which is by Dave Wolverton. That's- I'm excited for that. Because that guy, that hammerhead shows up weirdly at a hotel yeah. in... Yeah. The Jedi Academy. And I think, I think it's going to be explained to me in this tale. Uh, so that... And then I and Dave Wolverton's been pretty consistent. For yeah, us. I think so. And then we can do that through 
maybe we cut all this out. Trade wins the Ranit's Tale, which is by okay. Re- Rebecca Moesta. Okay. On her own. All right, so Hammerhead to Trade Wins. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, it's not perfectly even, but we're not going to get. No, no, that sounds good. Um, So that's how many tails? Hammerhead. Six tails. All right, cool. Six tails. Yeah, we got Kevin J. Anderson in there. We got Barbara Hambly, who wrote, I think she's one who wrote the Children of the Jedi standalone book. Um, Yeah, I think that's right. um, And then a couple people that I have not heard of, but Dave Wolverton's in there. So, yeah. And, you know, I have high high hopes that these tales will... These are shorter tales. There's six of them. We only read four the first go-around because they, like, they were really long, really long tales. So I'm yeah. hoping the shorter, one, the shorter ones seem to be the more... Yeah, I think that... I mean, I think it's real hard to write a short story and get everything you want in there. Yeah. But when, when that needle gets threaded, it's really nice. Yeah. If you have chapters in your short story... Yeah, I, I have I have some words. <laughs> Maybe this isn't a short story. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, so yeah, next week we'll be back with more tales, and then then we'll finish off the last command. All right. Well, thanks, and yeah. uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com, for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderon. We're on Instagram, adolescenceafteralderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much. 